Hey guys, welcome back to Mommyhood Redeemed. Things are a bit crazy over here right now while we are in the process of selling and buying a home. And it's funny how the Lord works while we are selling and buying here in Colorado. Vanessa and her family are in the exact same process over in California, but they are moving all the way across the country. Yes, um, it's kind of cool to walk through another season together in this, but as any of you who have um, owned a home and had to sell it and dealt with all the showings and the open houses <laughs> and then once you're in contract, all the other things that go into it, it has definitely been a whirlwind of craziness and chaos and all that. So both of us, like Lauren said, we're in the middle of that process right now. And um, my family is moving all the way to the other side of the country to North Carolina. And so we just wanted to let you guys know that um, we're sorry for not being as present on um, social media. We have definitely been thinking about um, mommyhood redeemed and praying for it. And we're excited to jump really back in um, more full, fully immersed in it once we both get settled so this is going to be our last episode until probably about mid-June. That's when both of us will be in our new homes and have had a couple weeks to unpack and get settled and adjusted to life in a new place. Um, well, for my family in a new place, mm-hmm. <laughs> but we're excited and we're excited for some new episodes. So we'll be here and there on social media, but that's kind of what has been going on. Um, we fully intended to record this episode I don't even know like two weeks or three weeks ago right after Easter (laughs) and here we are just now doing it so we're super excited to jump into today's topic it's so important in this day and age and it's something that we really believe is a foundational um, thing in parenting and it really has to start early and it's just teaching our kids to be set apart for the glory of God they live in a world that is screaming lies at them this relative thinking that we know what's right for you is right for you and what's right for them is right for them, that there's no truth. And just this constant trying to impress everything of one's own opinions on our child's mind, everything that's really opposite to what scripture teaches um, is just really scary. And it's really vital to make sure that we are training up their hearts and their minds from an early age in the truth of scripture about all of these topics that they're going to come across so that they know how to think and they know how to respond in those situations. Uh, Unfortunately, I don't think it's really uncommon for our kids to come across things really young. Um, My kindergartner came home a couple months ago and he was telling me about how a friend in his class told him that, that his mom, so his friend's mom, said that it was okay for a man to marry another man. And my first reaction was, why are we talking about this when we're five and six? Okay, I have no idea what how this conversation even started, but it just really set in that this is real and this is happening all around us to our children. Um, when I was teaching kindergarten, there were a lot of serious conversations that I remember even encountering between these five and six-year-olds, one about creation and the existence of God. Um atheism, things that I was really shocked that these kids were talking about at such a young age. And this was 10 years ago. So, okay, so much has changed since then. I can only imagine the things, you know, that our little kids are being exposed to. 
And as much as we would like to put our kids into a bubble um, or move to a deserted island and raise them away from this scary culture that really isn't what God has commanded us to do. And so we have to really be proactive in training them up today. So your kids, you know, maybe they're three or four or five or whatever they might be, they might not be saved yet. Mean that we shouldn't train their thinking as we pray for the Lord to save them. So here are some scripture that we just um, found that God talks about being set apart in Deuteronomy fourteen twelve. He says to his people, Israel, you have been set apart as holy to the Lord, your God, and he has chosen you from all the nations of the earth to be his own special treasure. Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. In 1 John 2, 15 to 16, it says, Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him, because all that is in the world, the desire of the flesh, the desire of the eyes, and the arrogance produced by material possessions, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And John 15, 18 and 19 says, If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it. But you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world, so it hates you. And those are just a few. There are so many good scriptures, verses that just talk about um, being set apart and really help us to direct our kids' thinking and help us to train them up. And this is, again, just a topic, as with everything I feel like that we talk about, that we could speak on for so long. So we tried to really just narrow it down to a few things that we personally are trying to do with our own kids, especially our older ones, and that we just prayerfully would hope that it would encourage you to do the same. So after the gospel and praying that the Lord would transform your kids' hearts, we want to teach our kids to be like Jesus and to be holy and set apart like he's called us to be. To the word to be holy means to be righteous, to be set apart, to be distinct or different from the world. That means as believers, we don't exhibit the same behaviors, attitudes, or the manner of living, or at least obviously we shouldn't. And the word of God is very clear. He not only told the nation of Israel to be holy in the Old Testament, but he gave us the same command in the New Testament. In 1 Peter 1, 15 to 16, it says, Be just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. This verse has always been so convicting for me because it's serious. Obviously, you know, apart from Christ, we cannot be perfectly holy or we can't be perfect. And yet, you know, we're not ever going to be this here on earth, but it doesn't mean that we shouldn't be striving towards it. And we should teach our kids that they should be pursuing holiness, which is obedience to the word of God. We don't not do things for no reason. We choose to obey God and therefore not doing things that he forbids, not because he's a killjoy, but because he's a good and loving father who is protecting us from the repercussions of sin. And, you know, we can never obviously, like I said, live up to God's holy standard, but it doesn't mean that we shouldn't pray for it and pray for it with our kids. Um, With my older two, we have started to kind of talk about holiness and what that means to be set apart and how God wants us to be pursuing these holy desires. And 
was having a conversation with my daughter who's almost five and she's sitting there. This was after um, a discipline situation and she's just in tears and she's like, I just can't, I just can't mommy. I can't do this thing or be this way. Um, and it was great because it was such a good gospel opportunity for me to share with her. You're right. Like you in your own strength, you can't be obedient to God in this area. You can't be perfectly holy, but look at what God has done through for you through Christ on the cross. And guess what? You have gospel power. You have the ability to come to God and say, God, I can't stop sinning. I can't stop doing this. You know, I can't obey mommy. I can't be kind to my brother or whatever it might be. Help me. And he is going to be faithful to help you strive towards that holiness. And so every day we pray for it every single day. Oh my goodness. That is so sweet. And it's, it kind of is humbling for us too, because, you know, as adults, we think we can do it and it's, it's sweet to see it from perspective. But um, so second, we really need to teach our kids to not be conformed to this world's thinking. We have to teach them young that there are going to be tons of messages speaking to them, trying to tell them that God's way isn't the right way or to try this or that going against what they know to be true. We need them to know early on that they are going to be different than most, even than some of their family and friends, right? And they may get made fun of, they may lose friends over it or family, but help them see Jesus's example and the disciples example as well. Let them see that following Christ does cost us, but it is worth it in the end. Let them understand the beautiful truth of the gospel and the hope of heaven. So what does this look like practically? Well, this might look like us sitting down with our kids and talking about how God made man and different and how that's a good thing and how God made woman for man and woman alone. And that God made marriage for man and woman. And anyone who chooses a different way is not living up to God's standard of holiness in his word and is disobeying his commands. And his ways are good and right, meant for our good too. And anything else will only lead to hurt and sorrow. And I remember a time when my oldest had a friend over. And after that friend had gone home, my son asked us, mommy and daddy, like, you know, he's allowed to say, oh, my God. Well, why can't I? Why can't I say God? Why do I have to say goodness? And it's, you know, it seems kind of small, right? But it really was a huge stage for my husband and I to speak truth and explain to him why Christ has called us to be different, to be lights in this world, and why saying the Lord's name in vain was not glorifying. And even bigger, like it, it is the small things that turn into large ones as our kids get older and um, learn more about who Christ is. And building that foundation of truth is so important in the early years. Wow. Yes, I totally agree with that. And I've had a similar conversation with my kids. <laughs> so third, we really have to train our kids not to love this world or the things of the world. And this is challenging even for us because I think sometimes we show our kids that we love the things of this world more than we love Jesus. You know, God has given us so many good things to enjoy, blessings and gifts. um, And those things in and of themselves are not sinful. They're not bad. They're good. 
But oftentimes we can make those good gifts idols and we can love the gift more than the giver. And we really have to train our kids not to find more joy and satisfaction and hope or purpose or anything in anyone or anything more than Christ, whether that be toys when they're little, you know, as they get older, it might be a sport or a person or a hobby or academics or whatever it is. You know, everyone has a different struggle when it comes to things of the world that we are tempted to idolize and love more than Christ. And, you know, this is something my husband and I talk about. It's hard to do with little kids because they have finite minds and they can't really comprehend eternity. I mean, not that I can't either, but (laughs) (laughs) they live very much, which is not a bad thing, but they do live very much in the here and now. So, you know, some practical ways we can implement this is always thanking the Lord for our good gifts. You know, that's why we pray before we eat or, you know, we, at least in our family, you know, when we have someone celebrate somebody's birthday, we thank the Lord with our, our whole family for specific things that God has gifted them with. Um, we remind our kids that nothing they have hasn't come from him. You know, everything we're enjoying is a gift. It's not, you know, an entitlement, our toys, our home, our family, everything is a gift from him. And we can talk about heaven with our kids and how great it's going to be, how glorious it's going to be, how fun it's going to be to be with Jesus, the one who saved us from our sins. And, you know, we can train even our kids to tithe and to give back to God some of what he has given to us. And I think for, um, for our family, this is something we've started with our older two kids. And I think it's actually really practical and a good way to teach them not to love money, which is really how we get everything we have. Um, and to not really love the things of this world. When our kids get, um, my son, for example, just the other day lost a tooth and he got some money for it. Um, we don't give $20 bills in our family. <laughs> I, I read something the other day that the average like toothberry thing is like $12. I'm like, who gets $12? I used to get like a quarter and a pack of gum or something. But anyways, he got um, $2 and I asked him, I said, okay, I said, do you want to give any of that money to God? And he kind of looked at me and he said, yeah, I'm going to give him one of my dollars. And it just blessed my mama heart just to see that he wanted to do that. But it's just, you know, a good practical way, I think, for our kids to realize we don't tell our kids, oh, you have to give, you know, 10% of that we're going to save and 10% is going to be for God. But just asking them right now when they're this little, like, do you want to give any of that to God? He gave that to you. Do you want to give some back to him? And just to let the Lord kind of start to work on their little hearts. Oh my gosh. That is so sweet. I love that idea. and Got to start implementing something like that. But um, lastly, teach your kids to serve others and share the gospel. Matthew 5, 14 through 16 says, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. We want them to be lights in this dark world, to share truth with those around them. And the best way for them to learn to do this is from following your example We may be able to bring a meal to someone in need and share the gospel with them, go to a shelter and feed homeless people and share Christ with them or, you know, whatever it might be. But giving your kids the ability to share the gospel, to love others, to put others before themselves is so important. Always, always, always couple your good deeds with the gospel. 
Let your kids see that loving people, you know, truly loving them isn't merely meeting their physical needs, but more importantly, their spiritual need for Christ. Have your children pray regularly for people you know who are unsaved or for opportunities to share with people. Encourage them to talk to others at school or in the neighborhood or a family that don't know Christ. Are they perfect evangelists? No, but neither are we. But training them to do this when they are young is going to build confidence in Christ and the power of the gospel message. And they'll learn alongside you as they follow your lead. And we came across this story from Eric and Leslie Ludy and wanted to share it. It started at a bagel shop. Eric and the kids were eating dinner and waiting for me to return from an appointment. They decided to look around the shop for someone who might need to hear the gospel. After chatting with two people working behind the bagel counter and learning that their names were Blake and Alyssa, the Ludy kiddos came up with a plan. They would write letters to the bagel shop workers and share the love of Christ with them. As soon as they finished with their food, Eric pulled out some pencils and paper and the kids went to work. After a lot of contemplation and asking God to show them what to write, Harper penned the following. Dear Alyssa, I hope you are okay. Do you know Jesus? I have lots to tell you. Did you know God died for your sins? God loves you very much. Love, Harper, age eight. And Hudson's letter said, Dear Blake, my name is Hudson. I am 10 years old. I am in the fifth grade. Did you know Jesus died for you? He was on earth for about 50 years, about 2,000 years ago. He is the son of God, the creator of everything. He loves you. He died and rose again because he has the power to rise again. So he rose and later he went back with, back to be with his father. He died for our sins and sins are all bad deeds. If you will turn from your sin and give your life to him, he will train you to be a strong leader and go share this message. <laughs> with daddy's help, they delivered their special notes to Blake and left the store. The bagel shop is over an hour away from where we live, so we haven't been able to return to see what kind of impact was made. But since that night, our family has been praying that God would use the children's special letters to draw Blake and Alyssa to himself. This outreach experience at the bagel shop has prompted many more gospel sharing moments for the Ludi children. Every dinner out or family game time at a local coffee shop has become an opportunity for them to witness for Christ. We've realized that working with our kids to share the gospel is like having a secret weapon. While Eric and I alone might have a harder time breaking through social barriers, it's a different story when one of our kids reaches out to someone with genuine love and concern. When a little child shares the love of Christ, people stop and listen. Some people may not willingly take a piece of the Christian literature from our hands when we offer it, but very few will, very few will refuse a handwritten special note from a little child. Our kids are not evangelism experts. Often, they aren't sure what to say or do when they are around the unsaved. But when they simply ask Christ to work through them to reach others with his love and truth, they are realizing the amaz that amazing things happen. And as parents, Eric and I are learning that giving our children opportunities to be used by God is one of the very best gifts we can give them. I love that story. That's such a neat thing to do as a family. And mm -hmm. what better thing to do as a family than to share the love of Christ. And I totally agree that kids are great icebreakers and they're so much more bold than we are. And, you know, people are just, I think, more open to listen, listening to a little child than listening to an adult. 
you know, so anyways, I definitely want to try and implement something like that as my kids get older. Us as well. And we hope you were very encouraged and challenged today as mothers to teach and train your little ones to be holy and set apart for the Lord, that they would be gospel witnesses in this fallen world in speech and action. We pray this for our children too, and are right there with you in the trenches, learning and teaching and training their hearts for this purpose. So thanks so much for listening today. We look forward to continuing on this journey with you all as we seek to redeem mommyhood every day for God's glory through the power of the gospel.